Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. All right, today I'm going to be talking about claiming your spiritual inheritance. Proverbs 13.22 says this, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now when we think about an inheritance, we always normally think in terms of material things, money and possessions, but uh, there's so much more to an inheritance, especially for believers. We are to be handing down a, a spiritual inheritance to our children. It should be something that uh, is just normal for us as, as believers. Although we do want to pass on material things for our children, I hope that I have something left to pass on to my children when I pass away uh, because I, I want to bless them. But the most important thing that I could ever do for my children and my grandchildren is instill spiritual principles in their life. Train them up in the way they should go. I'm so thankful for the, the, the families in this church that are teaching their children at home. They're, they're educating them at home, but they're not only educating them in uh, worldly things, but they're in educating them spiritually and instilling spiritual principles. Now, wherever you're, you send your kids to school or whether you're a public teacher, uh, you uh, are very important in our system. And we're very thankful that you are sending your kids and, and you're there as a part of it. But I will say this, watch closely what's happening in our school systems. Be careful. We live in a very conservative area, but it, we're not protected from the craziness. Instill the good things in your children. Inheritance in the Hebrew, nahal, it means to get or take a possession, money, property, or title that has been bequeathed to you. To inherit means to become heir to. Now that's very, very important because Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17 says this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Father, Father. The spirit, spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness to our spirit. We're children of the Most High God. You can't get any better than that. The King of all kings. Holy God. We are His children. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And yes, we don't like that part where it says we're going to suffer with Him, but we are. We're in this world, and this world is suffering. And we're a part of it. But guess what? Everything that we suffer through is well worth it. We inherit the kingdom of God. But yet, we are also in the kingdom right now. 
We are walking as kingdom heirs in this earth. And we are proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There was a certain man who was a chronic complainer. He complained to his wife about everything. He complained to her about her cooking, about her dress, about her housekeeping. He complained about his friends. He complained about everything in life. He complained about his job. Everywhere he went, he complained. One day, uh, his great-grandfather passed away and left him uh, a huge amount of money. And when he got that money, he complained that it wasn't enough. He decided one day that uh, with that money that he was going to buy a farm. So he bought a farm, and uh, he bought that farm, and he complained about the animals. He complained about the work that had to be done. He complained about everything in his life. One day he said to his wife, Dear wife, I'm thinking about naming my farm. What do you think we should name it? And she immediately came back to him. I believe you should name it Belly Acres. <laughs> now, I want to tell you something. I've heard that term my whole life. Where did that come from? Why do we call complaining belly aching? Well, I decided I was going to do a little bit of research, and I... I uh, came up with something here. The origin of the, ter origin of the term belly aching is really not clear, according to the information that I found. However, it is believed that the term might have originated from the word collywobbers. That helped me a whole bunch. <laughs> I really understood from Well, I guess collywobbers means uh, discomfort in the stomach. So I still have no idea why you call complaining belly aching, uh, other than maybe it's because you make other people's belly ache. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but we do refer to people who complain a lot as belly achers. And I believe as believers in Jesus Christ, we definitely have nothing to belly ache about. We are heirs to the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to investigate how we can claim our spiritual inheritance. I want to look at Isaac and his life and some of the things that he did. I want to uh, have you turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. We are going to be reading through this this morning. And uh, try to figure out exactly what's going on here in, in Isaac's life and what we can glean from it. Genesis chapter 26. Give everybody the opportunity to get there. I'm going to read, begin with verse 1 through 6, and then we'll just, I'll say a few, I'll share a few things about it, and then we'll just keep moving on through this chapter. It was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to, your father, to Abraham, your father. And I will make you descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of earth shall be blessed. 
And because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. It appears that Isaac was on his way to Egypt. He wanted to go down to Egypt because of the land. His father Abraham had done that. Uh, and because of this great famine, he was looking for someone who could help him. And he stopped off in this place called Gerar. Uh, and this famine was a very severe famine. But I think because of the famine, Isaac had forgotten his spiritual inheritance. Not only his spiritual inheritance, but his physical inheritance. I'll say this, we all go through dry times in our life. If you do not go through dry times as a Christian, you are super spiritual. And I really don't want to hang out with you. Because <laughs> you're not as spiritual as you think you are. We all go through it. We have these dry times. That, that you know, it just seems like the heavens are brass. And God's not hearing our prayers. But I can guarantee you this. God is still there. And He's still listening. And He's still responding. I believe that's exactly where Isaac was at this place. He was looking for someone that could help him, help him out in this famine situation. And instead of turning to Almighty God, he turned to humans. So he decided to take matters into his own hands. And that's when he decided that he was going to go down to Egypt. The question is, are you on your way to Egypt this morning? Are you looking for something to satisfy this yearning that's inside of you? This dryness this thing that you're missing? If so, what happened to Isaac just might be of assistance to you this morning. On his way to Egypt, he stopped in at Gerar. Gerar was believed to be a lush Philistine city south of the Gaza, and we hear a lot about the Gaza Strip these days. It was located somewhere between uh, Egypt and Gaza. We don't know exactly where. But while he was there, he had a personal encounter with the Lord. As he was on his way to try to find help, he had an encounter with the living God. God spoke to Isaac, telling him, don't go to Egypt. I have all this under control. Ivy's word this morning was God has it under control. He's telling you that this morning. He's got it under control. You don't have to run. You don't have to go searching. God has it under control. Just trust in Him. Isaac obeyed God in regards to he didn't go down to Egypt, but he stayed in Gerar. I believe that was somewhat of a compromise. In order to stay in Gerar, um, Isaac had to live a life of fear and deception. And many times, that's where we come to. When we make a compromise, we get ourselves in a situation where we're constantly living in some kind of fear. And we're compromising constantly what we believe God wants for us and has called us to. Let's look at verse 7 through 11. 
And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say, She is my wife, because he thought, Lest the men of this place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife, so how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might, have, might soon have lain with her, and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife will surely be put to death. Isaac was deceiving the Philistines and the Philistine king because of this great fear that he had. He was afraid that something would happen to him. And he compromised. Now, James tells us this, James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We must recognize that, you know, when we're having these double-minded thoughts, which way do I go, what do I do, what decision do I make, we're being unstable. And we're being unstable spiritually. So it is very important that we recognize that, that we need to hear from God. So if we're crying out to God, if we're seeking Him, He's still a living God. Even though Isaac was living this double life, he was in this place of, of comfort, but he was living a double life trying to please the Philistines and at the same time trying to show affection to his wife. I believe fear will cause us to do a lot of crazy things. It'll cause us to compromise. It'll cause us to have the appearance that we're doing something that we're really not doing or doing something that we sh not doing something that we should be doing. Fear will cause us to in, stay in a place of compromise and, and surely keep us from receiving our spiritual inheritance. As long as Isaac was in Gerar, he was not going to fulfill and receive his spiritual inheritance. Now, we don't know exactly how long he lived there, but verse 8 says that he was there a long time. I believe this is a picture of, of believers walking in fear, compromising, and doing it for a long, long time. But God wants that to come to an end. God wants to speak to you, just like he spoke to Isaac. Unless we do, we'll never claim, unless we allow him to speak to our hearts, we'll never claim our spiritual inheritance. You may not be doing anything necessarily wrong. But you're not walking in the full inheritance God has for you. Let's look at verse 12 through 14. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Here we see that God spoke to him, 
He's still in this land, but God began to prosper him. And there was a purpose behind this. God wanted to move him away from this place. He wanted to move him back into the land of his inheritance. So as God began to prosper Isaac, the Philistines started looking at him and wondering what he was going to do next. They, they were afraid of the power that he had and the wealth that he had. Now listen to me. I do not believe that wealth is an indication of a person's spiritual uh, situation or spiritual growth. But I do believe that God wants all his people to prosper in all things, be in health and prosper as your soul prospers. So we don't judge people based on their material goods. We, ba we base spiritual growth based on how close we're walking with the Lord. Yes. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's what our God wants to do. He wants to give you a future and a hope. No matter what you're going through right now, God's plan required Isaac's cooperation. But Isaac wasn't willing to move away from the Philistines at that time. He was in a very comfortable place. But when we determine to cooperate with God, He will do whatever it takes to move us out of our comfort zone. Let's look at Genesis 26, 15, through 15 and 16. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with the earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away for us, for you are much mightier than we. So here we see God had a, had a great purpose in prospering Isaac. He wanted him to, to look more powerful in the eyes of the Philistines because God wanted Isaac to move back into the land of his inheritance. He wanted him to go back and receive his spiritual inheritance. This is where God wanted Isaac, and this is where God wants us to be, to be walking in our spiritual inheritance, living by faith, dependent on God and his provision. Isaac had become dependent on Abimelech in the Philistines. Now he had to go back and start becoming, start all over and become dependent on God once again. Start walking by faith and not by sight. One of the descriptions of Greer calls it a lodging place because it was strategically located between the, the trade routes. It was a place of ease and comfort. Isaac was very comfortable there. One of the definitions of Greer is a comfortable lodging place. We can't get in a comfortable lodging place, spiritually speaking. We must force ourselves to move out and allow God to move us. Sometimes God does what he did to, to Isaac. He will cause us to move on to the next place or the next level or move into a new ministry area, even though we are not so much willing to move in that direction. But God opens the doors and causes it to help it happen. In this particular case, he caused 
the Philistines to not want Isaac to be around. So they sent him away. How many of you have gone on a cruise? A few of you have gone, some of you have gone on a cruise. I've never gone on a cruise, but everyone tells me how wonderful it is to go on a cruise. It's awesome. Joey doesn't like going on cruises. <laughs> I said, we've got other people who are saying no. I've got an uncle that would like to live on those cruise ships. He, he just loves it. But the reality is, you know, there's a lot of comfortable things there. I, I understand all the food you can eat. There's entertainment. You can rest all you want. Uh, most of the time they have pools and uh, just all kinds of entertainment things that you can do. It's a comfortable place. But we all know that you can't live on a cruise ship. We just can't live there. We can't live in that comfort zone. And God is always trying to move us out of our comfort zones, moving us into a new realm and a new area. And, you know, if you're like me, you always rebel against that. You really don't want to move out of your comfort zone. It feels so good to ride around on that cruise ship. It feels so good to have all you want to eat and all the rest you can, you can take. All the good things that that cruise ship offers. But God wants us to be in a place where He can maximize our gifts. And being in a comfort zone is not that place. He can only maximize our gifts when we are totally dependent on Him. Whatever you're going through right now is an opportunity for you to either get better or get bitter. That's the way it was with Isaac. We can either get better or get bitter. God could be trying to move you away from a place of fear and compromise. Philippians 1.6 tells us this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to leave you alone. He wants you to move out of that comfort zone. Move into His perfect will for your life. So Isaac begins that process of discovering and redigging the physical and spiritual wells of Abraham. We all know that fresh water is very essential to life. And Jesus said this about our spiritual wells. He said that... Uh, out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus gives us an under, understanding, an indication of the power that we have inside of us and that there's fresh water, fresh living water that needs to flow from us. But I believe this, in order to have fresh water flowing from our well, we must keep it clean. Maintain it. Take care of it. Many years ago, we had drama teams, and, uh, you know, one of the first drama teams that I, I remember uh, was one of the first dramas that I remember. It was something to do with the well and fresh water. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, a person has had a, they had received Christ, and, and because they had received Christ, they're, they had this fresh water flowing from their, their uh, innermost being, and people kept coming up to them and wanting a drink of their water, and they would dip it out of their well and give it to him. 
to them. And as time went on, uh, other people would come by and uh, they were carrying junk, pornography and uh, movies and uh, all kinds of things that we don't want in our well. And as they walked by, she said, she, I believe it was a woman, a lady that was uh, portraying this, one of the, our girls, and she said, uh, where are you going with that? And she said, oh, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm, I'm going to throw it in the dump. Well, she said, no, wait, stop here. Uh, just put it right here. And she, they put it in her well. And time and time again, they came along and put that junk in her well until her well became contaminated. And when people came along and wanted to drink of fresh water, she would give it to them and they would spit it out. Because it was so nasty. We can get our well contaminated. It's very important that we keep our fresh water flowing. And not allow those contaminants of the world to enter in. Listen, you've got to be very careful when you're watching television. You've got to be very careful when you're listening to radio. You've got to be very careful when you're watching the news. You've got to be very careful in this life. Not only for you, but for your family. Protect your family from the garbage that they're trying to pour into your well. Because they're trying to contaminate you. It's the enemy's tactic. He wants to contaminate your well so it's no longer fresh living water. For, in order for Isaac to claim his spiritual inheritance, he had to begin to redig the wells of his father. And that's exactly where we must begin. Redig. A little boy was asked by a pastor, Do you believe in God? Yes, I do. Well, said the pastor, Why do you believe in God? The little boy thought about it for a little bit. He said, Well, you know, I think it runs in the family. I think it does. I think it's supposed to run in the family. We're supposed to hand in that spiritual inheritance to our children. We want our children and our children's children. Every day I pray for my children and my grandchildren. Father God, someday I'll be praying for great-grandchildren. Hallelujah. I want them to receive the inheritance that I pass down to them. The goodness of the Lord. The power of the Lord. The redeeming influence of the Lord in my life. As Christian parents, it's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to pass down this inheritance to our children. We want to give them a supernatural inheritance. An investigation into the life of the preacher Jonathan Edwards in the, who preached... Uh, he was a revival preacher and the great revival took place under him in the 1700s. It showed that 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, 100 became preachers and missionaries, 100 became lawyers, 80 were public officials, 75 army and navy officers, 65 college professors, 60 professors, 60 prominent authors, 30 judges, 
13 college presidents, three United States senators, and one vice president of the United States. I would say he handed down a wonderful spiritual inheritance to his family. But on the flip side, someone that lived at the same time, this gentleman's name was Max Jukes. He was a criminal, and he died a pauper. He had 310 descendants. 150 of them become criminals. 100 were drunkards. Seven were murderers. And more than half of the women were prostitutes. We can hand down any kind of inheritance we want. But thank God you're here today because I believe you want to encourage your family. You want to hand down the right spiritual inheritance that generation after generation after generation will carry the goodness of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. According to most Bible commentaries, Abraham dug four, maybe five wells in the land. I can only find the names of a couple of them recorded in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, it says, Wherefore the well was called Berlohi Roi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berid. It actually means the well of the living one seeing me. This is the well where we discover and rediscover our God sees and cares. This is the place where Hagar, uh, Sarah's servant, the mother of Ishmael, discovered that God still cared about her and was watching over her. She's actually the one that named it, named that well. She thought she was going to die in the desert of thirst. And yet God led her to this well. She called it the well of the living one seeing me. This is very interesting because the well is located between two places, Kadesh and Berid. Kadesh means holy and Berid means hail, as in a hail of gunfire, a place where you are overwhelmed and need cover. She was in a place between the holiness of God and a place where she was being overwhelmed by the circumstances. And that's when God showed up. God hears, He sees, and He understands our difficulties. Hagar saw and she understood. She was rescued from sudden death. She was crying out to the holy God in a very difficult situation. And he showed up. I believe he still shows up today when we call out to him. When we're going through these difficult situations, he still hears us. This is the place where Isaac waited for his new wife, Rebecca, to come to him from Mesopotamia. He also settled there after his father's death. But that's where he left and he went back, went down to Gerar. Now he was back. He was back there redigging his father's wells. And verse 18 says something very interesting. I think it's significant. It says he called them by the names his father called them. This tells me that he not only redug the physical wells, but he also was rediscovering the spiritual truth behind each and every one of those wells. A significant 
point in his life where he came to the awareness that his father's God was not only Abraham's God, but Isaac's God. He understood that his God was there. He was the God that saw him and understood him. He understood that God wanted a close relationship with him. This is the first well, I believe, that we need to return to when we're going through those dry places. When we struggle to keep our relationship with the Father fresh and real. Our Father wants us to notice this and realize His gifts are something, are sometimes packaged in a much different package than we expect. Hagar didn't really know what to expect. She thought she was going to die. And God suddenly showed up and showed her a well and proved to her that He was there, that He was her God. And He loved her and cared deeply for her. A story about a young man getting ready to graduate from college. For many months, he admired a, a beautiful sports car in the showroom. And he told his dad, he said, Dad, that's what I want for graduation. His dad was a wealthy man, and he could afford it. And the son knew that. So the son was waiting and, and waiting. On the day of graduation, he didn't see any uh, sign of his dad purchasing that car for him. But his dad gave him a gift. And it was in a small package. He was a little taken back by it, disappointed, but he opened it. And when he opened it, it was a beautiful leather-bound Bible with his name on it, written in gold. The son got, became angry. And he said, all these years I've honored you. I've done what you've told me to do. All I asked for was a sports car for my graduation. That's all, yeah. And you didn't get it for me. He threw the Bible down and stormed out. He didn't see his father again. Many years later, he got to thinking about it. He got to feeling bad. And he said, I'm going to go see my father. Well, it was too late. His dad passed away before he got there. They called him, said, come. Your father left everything to you. And he went, and he started going through his father's belongings and he was very sad because he realized he'd missed many years with his dad for something really ridiculous now that he was older he realized it and he stumbled onto the bible and he opened it and when he opened it he found that his father had underlined matthew chapter 7 verse 11 and if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more shall your heavenly father which is in heaven give those who ask him? It's a good question. How much more will he give when we ask? As he read those words, a key dropped from the back of the Bible. It had a tag on it. It was the dealer, the dealership, who had the sports car. The sports car had been there all those years waiting on him. The key was in his, position, his possession at one time, and he didn't even re realize it. On that key, it said, paid in full. The son had what he desired. 
But the father, the most important thing the father wanted was a relationship with the son. God still wants a relationship with us. He hears our prayers. Sometimes it seems like he's not answering our prayers. I know it seems like the heavens are brass. But our God is still on the throne. And he's a good God. When we embrace the fact that the living one sees us, we begin to embrace the truth that God is for us and not against us. And we need to embrace that. But remember this. In order to get that fresh water that we need in that relationship, we need to, to dig. We need to uncover the water. Isaac had to redig the well. We must dig. And we must dig into God's Word if we're going to hear from our living God. The second well Isaac had to redig dig is found in Genesis 21 31. Therefore he called the place Beersheba, because there they swore both of them. The reason Abraham named, named it this was because he made an oath with the former Abimelech, the king of, of uh, the Philistines. And he took seven lambs and he sacrificed them. And, and he uh, made a big deal about this well being his. And Abimelech agreed to the giving him the land around that and the well. So the well was the well of the sevenfold oath. It was an oath that was uh, proclaimed in the presence of Almighty God. Upon the act of redigging the well, Isaac made a statement that he was reclaiming his spiritual inheritance. John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Hallelujah. There's nothing more important to recognize that we are children of the Most High God. A mighty, awesome God that causes us calls us sons and daughters. Father, Abba Father, Daddy, Daddy. When we come to Him in, in prayer, it's not like coming to some deity that is far off and removed. We are coming to a God that wants to have this one-on-one -on -one relationship with us every waking moment of our life. Claiming your spiritual inheritance begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We all know that. Makes you a child of God. Giving you the right to claim your full inheritance. The rights and privileges of your inheritance are written in the Father's will and testament. Both Old Testament and New Testament. And we have all kinds of promises that we can find. It's like digging for gold. If you take this word and you start reading it, you'll find nuggets in there. Promises that God has for you that will change your life. That will cause you to recognize that you have a good God who wants to lead, guide, and direct every step you take. Things like Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What do we do? We seek God with all our heart. And then we have nothing to worry about. 
Beloved, I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. You see the connection. It's always about soul prosperity. Psalms 31, 23 says this. Oh, love the Lord, all you His saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud, the proud person. These promises and hundreds more of nuggets that we have, golden nuggets that we can take and build our life on. God's promises that He's there, that He's going to be there, and that He's going to lead, guide, and direct us. He will do whatever it takes to show up on our behalf. He's an awesome and mighty God. Recently, I was listening to a ministry that is stationed in the Gaza Strip. That ministry is preaching the gospel of the good news to Muslims. Their lives are in danger, I can tell you that. Not only from Muslims, but right now from the war that's going on. But they're preaching the gospel. And Muslims are coming to Christ. Now I want to tell you something. It's not just because of their preaching. It's because those Muslims, after hearing the preaching of Jesus, are having visions and dreams of Jesus appearing to them. God will go to any length to make sure that people receive Christ as their personal Savior. He's crying out to a lost and dying world. Pray for those people in the Gaza right now. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for the, the Palestinians. Pray for the Christians in that area. There's more persecution going on in our world right now toward Christians than ever before in the world. We live in a very comfortable place. There's no guarantee that that will go on forever. Pray for these people. And pray that God will continue to allow us to have peace in our nation. But I can tell you this. I believe with all my heart. If we do not as a nation turn back to the living God. Judgment is coming. That doesn't mean that God's going to pour out wrath upon us, but what happens is that God removes His hand of protection and allows whatever to come our way. We need renewal. We need revival. We need a new Pentecost in our nation right now. And whatever that looks like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what happens. I want God to show up and move in a mighty way. I want people to receive Christ as their personal Savior. I want signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the gospel because that confirms the Word of God. I want to see God move in a mighty way here in this place, in our community, in our nation, and in the world. Stand with me. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. 
Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.